This is Body Count, a horror movie podcast, with your hosts, Trent Scott and Graham Asher. <laughs> Yo, what's up, Trent? And welcome back, everybody, to Body Count. Um, Trent, we teased it last time, as we always do, that we're going to be jumping into A Quiet Place because A Quiet Place 2 premieres today. That's right. Comes out today. <laughs> today, Friday, May what, 24th, 9th, whatever. I don't even know. What day is it? <laughs> May 28th. Yeah, I don't even know the date. Um, but yeah, A Quiet Place Part 2. Um I'm now, excited. Very excited. But Graham, you're, you're, you're always su- in such a rush to, to, to get going. You never want to take time to stop and reflect on where we've been. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm just, I'm chomping at the bit here, man. I really yes. like this movie. So last week, uh, well, I should say last episode, two weeks ago, we reviewed the original Saw film in honor of the latest film in that series, Spiral, starring Chris Rock being released. And, um, so last week we, well, I should say I, uh, released our first ever mini episode of a brand new film. Uh, so hopefully everyone's got a chance to listen to it, but I realized I forgot to include one important piece of information on that, uh, on, on that little nine minute episode that I dropped, Graham. Uh Oh, what'd you forget? So for those of you who were, who heard the saw episode, you know, one of the, uh, one of the reasons I mentioned that I love the Saw franchise so much was because I had a very personal connection to the franchise because I had seen all the movies with my oldest brother. Uh, Well, I forgot to mention the streak lives. I saw spiral in theaters (laughs) with Joseph. That's awesome. Yeah. We were talking about the streak was coming to an end. That was like, it's like a 15 year streak or something that's yeah. going right. <laughs> yeah, it goes all the way back to see so saw two in 2005. So, right. Yeah. So, uh, luckily, uh, that Sunday, uh, the Sunday after it came out, uh, was my dad's birthday. So I went home for the weekend, saw my alma mater, Sam Houston, win the FCS national championship on Sunday afternoon. And then went to the movies with Joseph on Sunday night and took in a little spiral action with the big bro. That's awesome, man. Yeah, you didn't even tell me that. So that's really cool. Was it weird? Okay, I know this isn't a sports podcast at all, but was it weird watching football in like summer? (laughs) Well, (laughs) thanks to the monsoon in the first half, it felt like normal football. So no. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. So spiral with the brother. The streak continues, man. I love hearing that. Yeah, the streak lives. So I just wanted to to include that because I realized after I dropped the episode, oh, I forgot that little, little tidbit of information. Yeah, Joseph's like, what the heck, man? Why aren't you? Uh, why aren't you? Why aren't you <laughs> name dropping name me on the drop? podcast? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But now, Speedy Gonzalez, we can we can move on to uh, a quiet place. How about that? All right. Well, that was a good update, so I will I will grant you that. Okay. <laughs> so, a quiet place released in 2018. So this is one of the most recent films we've ever done. Uh, yep. 
In fact, is it the? It might be the most recent. Uh, so I think the. If you don't count Spiral mini episode, right, if, I think it's definitely the most recent. Well, yeah, of course, nothing's going to be more recent than a movie that had been in theaters for five days. Until <laughs> we do the next mini episode of A Quiet Place Two, potentially. Yes. Uh, again, you you just love jumping ahead, Graham. <laughs> hey, I don't get to see your notes before we go. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, let's uh, let's jump into the original, shall we? Let's do it, man. I'm really excited. So first, how we always get started is you got to give us your one synopsis synopsis of A Quiet Place. And Graham, I think you're really going to like this one. I put a, put a lot of thought into it. I wanted to get it just right. Okay. In the words of Elmer Fudd, be very, very quiet. <laughs> That's great. That's not actually a bad Elmer Fudd either. So um, I think you've been working on that, haven't you? I told you, I put a lot of thought into it. I wanted to make sure I got it just right. <laughs> That's good. Yes, be very quiet. Um, the tagline could be, um, it could be, you know, don't make a sound. Um, yeah, because it's a quiet place and we can't make any noise. Very important. Now, uh, one one note before we, we jump into this, just as a, you know, note to our dear listeners out there. So during the course of this film, the characters are never actually named. Yeah. Um, now you can look online. Their names are out there. They're, it's the, their last name is Abbott. The, the dad's like Lee. and But they're never named in the movie. So it's going to be too much of a hassle for me to cross-reference. So I'm just going to refer to the family as dad, mom, son, daughter. Good for everybody? Yes. That's perfect. That's exactly how I had in my notes. I didn't even realize that it was the Abbott family until, you know, going through because yeah, they're, they're never mentioned by name ever. Yeah. We never get an indication of their names. Um, so I'm totally good with that. Yeah. And well, and part of that is because of the communication in this film, maybe what 20% of it is vocal compared to 80% of it's in sign language. Oh yeah. I mean, 90, 10, yeah. 80, 20. There's, there's very few lines of spoken dialogue. All right, so with that in mind, let's jump into it. So we open up, we have a uh, title card that says Day 89. Day 89 of, of what? Well, we'll soon find out. As we see shots of abandoned city streets, there's a bunch of faded missing children's posters, and no humans to be found. Yeah, it's super quiet. It's super eerie. Um you know, to describe the town, Trent, wouldn't you say it looks like any kind of like Main Street in like the good old heartland of America, right? It's like small oh, yeah. town Main Street. There's, you know, there's that nice walkable area where you've got, um, you know, the pharmacy and other other types of shop. It, it looks very relatable if you've, um, yeah, if you're from that kind of area, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a, like you said, like, like any town USA, except there's no one on the streets. Right. And then uh, we see shots inside of an abandoned pharmacy of a family. There are the mom, the dad, the oldest uh, child is a girl, and then there are two young boys. The uh, middle child, the, old, the eldest boy, is sick, so we see the mom is searching the pharmacy. She finds some medicine to take care of him. Meanwhile, the youngest boy has a fascination with rockets, you see, and on one of the <laughs> shelves, he sees a toy rocket. So he climbs up to try to grab it. He knocks it down and the daughter runs and catches it before we hit the ground. And we see the whole family like 
take a collective sigh of relief that this didn't hit the ground? It's someone who has, um, you know, a real fascination with space and spaceships. I have a spaceship tattooed on myself. I need to correct you here, Trent. It is a space shuttle, not a rocket. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Except for the fact that uh, the, they talk about rockets constantly throughout the movie. So how could I make that mistake? Uh, we'll let it slide here. The filmmakers were also wrong in that. Um, but yeah, so they're being, I mean, deathly quiet. They're barefoot. They're um, tiptoeing around. I mean, it's pretty apparent if you if you didn't see the trailer to this and and somehow didn't see that the title was called A Quiet Place, um, you're, you immediately know that they're just trying to be super quiet. So the dad takes the rocket away from the daughter and he puts it on a shelf, basically tells the kid, no, you can't have it. And the family starts to leave. However, the daughter, taking pity on her younger sibling, hands the space shuttle back to him <laughs> and then walks away. Leaves the kid to his own devices. And what do you know? He grabs the batteries that go with it. He does. Um, yeah, the dad takes the batteries out cautiously. and Tells him know, it's like too said, loud so he can't have it. Yeah, discards. Uh, tell, yeah, I mean, don't you always listen to your parents, Trent? Or do you not when you're a kid, of <laughs> course. So, um, but yeah, and like, you just immediately know it's a bad idea. <laughs> yes, this is Chekhov's space shuttle. <laughs> so then uh, as we see the family making their way back home we notice that they are all barefoot and that they have poured a trail of sand that they are walking on as opposed to walking on the city streets so again very much trying to limit the noise that they're making yeah they're, they're single file just making their way back from town um, we don't know where they're going at this point but yes again it's a running theme. I'm not going to mention it again. Be very quiet. <laughs> yeah. So eventually they make their way to a bridge. And again, the youngest child now armed with a space shuttle uh, is in the rear. And he stops right before he gets on the bridge. He puts the batteries in. He turns the toy on. We hear, we hear it start to make a noise. The whole family like stops in fear. The dad takes off running after the son. But before he can get there, a monster comes out of the trees and snatches him. And that kid is dead. Ring that bell. That's number one. Man, body count number one. Youngest. I just put sad. It was sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gets snatched up like out of nowhere, dude. Those uh, The monsters um, first, I mean, we barely get a glimpse of it. We can just see that it's just tearing tearing ass through the, uh, the yes. forest just just yeah just extremely quick and just before the dad can get to him he reaches his hands out to grab him and he just like disappears that thing just snatches him up so um yeah we know that uh these are these are pretty pretty gruesome pretty we don't know anything about the monsters other than they can snatch you up quick right yes so from there we get our opening credits and then we get another title card that says day 472 so just about a year later Yep. And we see that the wife is now pregnant, which Graham, that begs a couple of questions. Okay. The whole objective is they can't make any noise, right? That's, that's exactly right. That's the name of the game here. <laughs> How did this come to be? 
Well, you know, Trent, when two people love each other very much. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's normally noises involved in that process. <laughs> yeah, so this, okay, I put it by notes. We all know she's pregnant. Eventually, that means she's going to have to give birth. Oh, and- we'll get to that. I got more <laughs> questions once we get there. <laughs> okay, so while babies are difficult enough in a normal world... In a yeah. world of silence, Trent, babies cry like a lot. They cry a lot. A lot. And they don't care or don't understand or both. Yes. They, it needs to be quiet. So, yeah, immediately we know that this is, we don't know how this is going to. This you know, seems like of, a bad idea. It, it is a very bad idea. So from there. We kind of see different shots, and we we see that the family is living on this, like, gigantic farm area. And the dad, uh, played by John Krasinski, it's worth mentioning. By the way, we haven't mentioned this. The lead role of the father, played by John Krasinski, his wife, played by his actual wife, Emily Blunt. Yeah, that's awesome. And we'll we'll talk a lot about them, but, um, I mean, the chemistry is already there, right? (laughs) (laughs) Funny how that works. Um, yeah, but so anyway, we see that the father character has this big security setup. He's got cameras. He's got a radio system. He's got newspaper clippings, and there is a whiteboard that has some valuable information on it. Number that's one, right. I ha- I have all the information, but yeah, <laughs> let's let's go back and forth, round robin it. Yes. So first off, we find out that there are three confirmed monsters in the area. Mm-hmm. We also find out that they have armored faces. Yeah, he's got written creature blind, attack sound, and armor. So, yes. so he, I don't know how he's come by this information, but um, he's keeping notes on these creatures. Yes. So from there, we also see him trying to, he's got like a list of radio stations or whatever, and he's transmitting an SOS signal, and he's crossing them out one by one as they are not responding. Yeah, he, he's calling out to all these different um it, it looked like cities. I think I saw Singapore written there. Yeah. yeah, he's going to different frequencies. He's trying to transmit in Morse code. Um, he seems like a really resourceful guy. I don't know what he did before this whole, um, yeah. whatever I mean, you call this, apocalypse or something. But th- this guy, it's so we're, we're three months in, right? Yeah. So that's not a long, well, I guess at this point we're Well, a now year. we're like we're, a year in. Okay. Yeah. So year and a half, still not not the longest amount of time in the world. And let's just go under the assumption that this guy was just a regular guy beforehand, right? That mm-hmm. means in a little over a year, he's become fully fluent in American Sign Language, taught it to his entire family, including his children, and learned Morse code. Yeah, which is cool. I think you should note, though, that because the oldest daughter is already deaf, maybe they, they probably that's already true. Sign that's true. That's a fair but, point. But still, he's he's... Definitely resourceful, um, or at least taught it to the to the youngest boy if he'd already didn't know it. You'd think yeah. you know, um, picked up on it. But also, like you said, he's got CCTVs around. He's got Morse code. He's got um, he's collected all this radio equipment. Yes. Um, we also, you know, we'll come to find out he's he's working on, um, you know, hearing aid manufacturing things like this. Yes. So the guy is a, uh, yeah, he's a uh, he's outdoing me. But I guess there's a lot of time <laughs> on his hands. So from there, we see the mom. She is setting up a nursery for the baby. And we see the kids, the two surviving kids, that is. They are playing a game of Monopoly, 
by Fire Lantern. And wouldn't you know, the boy knocks over the lantern, causes the glass to shatter. The dad instantly puts out the fire, but they sit and wait nervously. Did this sound attract the monsters? And sure enough, we hear there's a noise upstairs. It's just a squirrel. Yeah, um, I've noted many times that jump scares are not my favorites. <laughs> this this was a nice little jump scare that was like a what do you call it? I don't know. It was a it was a falsehood. But um, yeah, you think you're gonna see it, and then yeah, it's these little critters running around. <laughs> So from there, we see the parents put on some headphones and they have a nice dance together as the day draws to a close. Yeah, it's kind of sweet, right? They're listening to music on their headphones, you know? Yes. They're, they're still in love. So then we get the next title card. It is now day 473, the very next day. <laughs> yeah, we had a big jump at first and now we're just like, okay, it's yes. tomorrow. <laughs> yes, it's tomorrow. So we see the daughter is trying to make her way downstairs to the security area that the dad's got set up. And he's like, nope, you can't go down there. Yeah, which, so this is the first time, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, and I'm sure we both will. We, the filmmaker, John Krasinski, did a really smart thing by um, sometimes putting himself in the perspective of the little girl because she's deaf, so... In every other scene, we can kind of hear, you know, leaves rustling and just the world around us. But whenever we're in her point of view, it's just dead silent. And um, yeah, pretty interesting. So um, dad keeps her from going down there, tells her she's not supposed to go down there for whatever reason. Um, you know, she's, she's a kid, so she's not happy about it. Yes. And so from there, the dad goes to talk to the son who's doing some math homework with his mom, which I don't know why she's bothering to teach him math in this post-apocalyptic world. Actually, it's not even post-apocalypse. We're in the middle of the apocalypse and she's teaching him math. Who cares? Yeah. Okay. So I like, I have notes here. That's like, okay, the world has gone to hell, right? You live in silence in fear that any moment you might be snatched up by these horrible monsters and you still have to learn long division. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is some BS. Like, <laughs> it gets a break, man. It seems like there's much more handy information you could be teaching this kid in the modern world that you find yourself in. Like, maybe dad could be teaching this kid Morse code. Maybe this dad could be teaching him <laughs> about the security camera setups. No, no, he's studying math. Yeah. And I get it. I get that. Um, you know, they're trying to portray that they're trying to live somewhat of a normal existence at this point. But I mean, come on, bro. Yeah. Um, skip the long division. And, and uh, yeah, some some survival skills. Just pretend like it's like a, a 24-7, you know, Boy Scout camp or something, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So anyway, father tells son it's time to go. The son puts up a protest. He doesn't want to go. The daughter says she wants to go. That tells her, no, you have to stay and help your mom. And he drags his son along, um, you know, in protest. That's right. And, um, you know, you, you can tell that there's tension from the daughter's point of, point of perspective um, that, you know, why don't you want me to go? I'm the oldest kind of thing. But yeah. um, nonetheless, he takes the little boy to do uh, what you were just describing, some uh, some uh, things that are important, some yes. survivalist this type stuff. This actually makes sense because we find out what is it that he wants to teach the, the boy how to do? Go fishing. Because we saw them eating dinner earlier, and they were, in fact, eating fish. 
So we see there's like a little stream where they go and the boy is like freaking out because the stream is naturally making noises. And the dad explains to him, it's okay because the natural sounds are so loud. They drown out the noises that we make and we're not going to attract the monsters to us. Yeah. Which is smart. And it, and it gets you kind of thinking, right? Okay. So, you know, that's a good point. If you stay by the river, the river is loud. Um, it's just making that natural sound. So, um, so yeah, you don't have to be as careful, but um, the kid, I mean, understandably is just, he is just in a constant state of fear, right? <laughs> yes. And so at, at this point, we're actually, the, the, the movie's actually flipping back and forth between three different scenes where we got the dad and the son, the mom, and then the daughter. Let's just focus on the dad and son storyline first. So okay. from there, the dad, th this little stream area actually has a waterfall also. And so he takes this, the kid over to the waterfall and he yells. And the kid's like, again, like, oh, what are you doing? And he's like, no, we're safe. It's fine. And then we see the little boy lets out a yell also. And he's kind of happy. He's having fun for probably the first time in ages. Yeah, they're doing a little call, call of the wild type of thing. It's almost like a wolf howl. They're, um, you know, I mean, can you imagine not being able to use your voice? Yeah. Um, so I'm sure letting out some much needed, you know, stress and energy, all that good stuff. But from there, they sit down and they have a very important conversation where the son asks dad, point blank, do you blame her for what happened? She's the one that gave him the space shuttle that resulted in him dying. And the dad says, no, it, it, it wasn't anybody's fault. And then the boy asks him, well, do you still love her? And the dad is like, we can see in his face, he's like taking it back. And he says, of course I do. And the little boy tells him, well, you need to tell her that because, you know, she does feel responsible. Yeah. Um, nice little family scene. And, and there's obviously this entire film revolves around a family. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. And, and you can see that, you know, the man's kind of thinking to himself, OK, maybe I am. Obviously, he's he's got a lot on his plate. He's trying to <laughs> keep his whole family alive. But, um, yeah, there's some tender moments sprinkled in here and there. So meanwhile, back at home, we see, despite being told that you need to stay and help your mom, the little girl throws a little tantrum because dad didn't take her. So she packs a bag and she heads out. We eventually see that she has, in fact, gone back to the bridge where there's now a cross and memorial set up for her little brother. She goes to visit her little brother, um, the makeshift little grave there. Um, interestingly, it's faded, but you could make it out. Did you happen to see the uh, the years that were written on there? Oh, I did not catch that, no. So um, it is 2016 to 2020 is what it says on there. So we were when this came out, we were a little bit in the future. Now it is in the right, past. Yeah. So. Okay. Also, and this also begs a question here. Because we see that she has the rocket and she clips the like sound wire and places uh -huh. it at the memorial. With the How lights flashing. So yeah. In the hell did she get the space shuttle back? The kid was holding it when the monster snatched him. Oh, that's a good point. Um like seriously, did the kid <laughs> dr drop it? Or like, yeah, I was it like <laughs> Was it like a you know an outside linebacker hitting a quarterback from yeah, behind and, the, and fumble. the balls? Yeah, the ball just stayed there. Like, um, I would think the rocket went with the kid, but somehow she has it. 
Yeah, she does have it. Um, she misses her brother. They all do. Um, but yeah, so she's a little defiant, obviously. Um, you know, you kind of think, is she going to like run away? And if so, like, yeah, does that's she kind of what they tease. <laughs> yeah, they, they tease. Show, like, they show her packing a bag and then just leaving the farm. Yeah, so it's like, gosh, um, I don't want to call her fearless. I also don't want to call her stupid, but. Um, God, I would, I would just I, not venture out my, very far. Yeah, I, will, I will save my thoughts about her for, for the end of the movie. Okay. So meanwhile, the mom, who was supposed to have this help, is doing some laundry, and we see she accidentally pulls a nail up in the stairs. So now there is a nail sticking up through one of the stairs, and this will come into play later. <laughs> yeah, so she's... She's going up the stairs, like you said. She's got like a potato sack carrying laundry or carrying something. And they focus on that nail for like a good two seconds. Yes. So we they know. Want to make sure you know <laughs> that this nail is important. Yeah. So we know that that nail is coming back at some point. We just don't know when yet. So now we jump back to the father and son who are making their way home. And they see an old man. And then they see the dead body of his wife ring that bell that's number two boom body count number two old lady um presumably monster snatched her yeah i mean yeah we see there's like a big hole in her stomach so presumably the monsters got her the man has found his presumably wife i i I mean i guess we technically don't know that it could be his sister or friend but we're presuming it's his wife yeah so in his agony he goes with suicide by monster. He lets out a big yell and he is obliged. Ring that bell. That's number three. Boom. Body count number three. Two and three came quick. And, um, you know, old couple, you can't stay quiet forever, I guess. Um, you could just see the pain on his face, obviously, from losing his friend or loved one there. Let's just go with his wife. Losing his wife. And, um, you know, they're, they're setting things up. But, um yeah, so the guy's got to grab his kid and, and go take cover because yeah. they're like right next to And they to look him. on in horror from behind a tree as this is happening. Yeah, exactly. So meanwhile, back at home and mommy's water breaks. Oh, no. And we got a shot earlier that showed a calendar. She's taking her blood pressure, right? Because she's, you know, these people, they have to fend for themselves. So she's like recording in a calendar what her blood pressure is twice mm-hmm. a day. And it shows that like three and a half weeks later is written due date. So this, this child's coming early, man. Yeah. They are not planned for this. They are not prepared. (laughs) They are not ready. So uh, she makes her way downstairs. And as she's going down the stairs, there's that damn nail. She steps right on it. Oh, it's painful. And she drops the picture frame she was holding it shatters on the ground. So now, with tears in her eyes from stepping on a nail with her bare foot, she can't scream, she can't cry. She just has to wait to see if this broken glass attracted the monster. And sure enough, it does. It sure does. But before the monster shows up, she makes her way over to the corner and she flips a light switch and we see all the lights outside the farm go from yellow to red. Yeah, warning. Red is uh, red is emergency. 
So the dad and son are almost back home. They come up the hill and they see the red lights and they're like, "Uh oh, we got to get back. So they take off running towards home. But uh, back at the house, mommy is now hiding from the monster that has made its way inside. So she sets up a kitchen timer on one side of the room, then makes her way to the other side of the room. The kitchen timer goes off. It draws the monster to that side of the room, and she's able to make her way back upstairs to get away while it's distracted. He runs upstairs. Um, you know, pretty pretty anxiety-inducing moment here. Um, <laughs> she wants to run outside, then she sees another creature out there. So she's yes. like, oh, F, um, where do I go? Um, this baby is coming. Um, you know what's funny about this, Trent, is all of my friends and, you know, my sister, people who have who have had babies, the wives, the, the, the mothers are usually in labor for like hours and hours, yes. but this kid is just coming quick. It's go time. <laughs> so now back outside, the dad tells the son, it's rocket time. And so apparently the boy knows what this means. We don't really know. We'll find out here soon enough. But now back inside the house, we see that, uh, the mom has made her way upstairs into the bathroom and she's sitting in the tub and she is bleeding all over the place. Yeah, she's bleeding badly, um, you know, because that baby's coming. Yeah, she's in and, full on labor at this point. Yeah. And I've never witnessed that. I'm assuming um, things aren't going well because <laughs> yeah. of all that blood. I don't yes. think that that's normal. So um, I don't yeah, profess we're... to be a childbirth expert either, but this doesn't <laughs> seem great. It doesn't seem great at all. So uh, as the contractions kick in, she just can't fight it anymore. She lets out a big scream just as the rockets go off, which we find out are, in fact, a gigantic firework display that apparently the family had set up for just this moment. Yeah, smart move. Um, yeah, you, you can see the, the creature is lurking right by her, um, and she lets out that scream as she's, as she's going through labor. Right then, like you like you said, um, the fireworks go off, the rockets, and I mean, lucky for her, it was just perfectly timed. The yes. the monsters are now distracted enough. So, so the dad is now separated from the boys. The boy went to uh, set up set up the uh, fireworks. So dad's back home now. He gets a shotgun. He's looking around for his wife, and he makes his way into the bathroom. He sees the now empty bathtub covered in blood, and he's thinking. Oh no, they got her. He starts to break down thinking his wife is dead. And with the shot straight out of Titanic, the hand goes up on the glass of the shower door <laughs> and she's actually alive. And so is their baby boy. Yeah, what a trooper, dude. And we'll talk about her character more, but um, yeah, good for her. She, she managed to give birth and um, yeah, baby's alive. And, and now we just got to get them to safety. So now we cut back to the son who is making his way back towards the house. He's walking through these giant, like, is it corn or whatever? Yeah, it's, it's a corn, corn maze, cornfield kind of thing. Yeah. And he hears a monster behind him. So he, uh, there's like a path in the middle of it and he abandons the path and he runs straight into the middle of the corn. Which I thought was a bad move because you can, I mean, Obviously, they've they've got the uh, you know the audio turned up so to speak, but you can hear just the sounds of him rustling through that corn. Yes. And I'm like, you're making more noise um, there if you would have just 
Yeah, not done that. Yeah. So <laughs> here's here's my question. So we know the monsters are blind, right? And we mm-hmm. know that they're that they are attracted to sound. So is it just me? Or wouldn't the boy's best move to have just been to stop and stand still and wait for the monster to leave? Because if you stand still, you're not going to make any noise. Just stand there and let it go. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not explained. I'm guessing they can't smell. Yeah, that's because the blood. But yeah, yeah. Um, we don't know if they can smell because you'd feel like if if they were like they have a hyper sensitive sense of uh, hearing, obviously. and we get a couple of shots of like how when their face thing opens up, we can see the the ear there and, and we can see that it can really detect sound really well. Yes. Um, again, we don't know how well it can detect, like, can it hear hearts beating? Right. So um, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I would have just stayed put if I was him, but who knows? Who knows what I, I would probably have been dead a long time ago, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, like to talk <laughs> and you're really loud. So, yeah, I don't think I'd make it to day 473. Um, <laughs> no. But meanwhile, back at the house, the dad has taken mom and the newborn baby, who, lucky for them, is the quietest baby in the world, uh, down into this hiding place that they have set up. And we see just as they close it, a monster walks in the house. So just in the nick of time. Yeah. So we, so I kind of marked whenever all this started to go down, Trent. So like, this is, this whole scene takes place exactly halfway through the movie. So the first 45 minutes, we get that first thing. And then it's just kind of them living the quiet life. And then the next 45 minutes is just complete chaos. It's just one thing after another. So, um, so yeah, I mean, they can't catch a break. The, The monsters know where they are. Uh, presumably they're really good hunters and they've stocked them to this area right. and they're not going to leave the area until they get them. Yeah. So now down in the hiding space for the first time, all movie mom and dad can actually use their words and have a conversation here. Um, so she's saying, you know, you got to protect the kids. Oh, also worth noting. I, I forgot this. We see <laughs> they, he, dad takes the little baby puts an oxygen mask on him and shuts him in a box. Yep. A a soundproof box. So the oxygen, (laughs) so oxygen is an interesting thing, right? Um, You get too much of it. You can pass out, right? Yeah. So I don't know if the the point was just because he's not going to be able to breathe in the box is probably part of it. Also is the, is the oxygen also putting him to sleep? I don't really know at this point, but um. They thought that out a little bit, but yeah, he's just in a box. Did they he know, a baby in the box. Like a really good way to kill the kid. <laughs> yeah. Did they I mean, think it out? No, babies are very fragile. <laughs> like, this, this seems like a terrible idea. Yeah, but you know, what else what else can they do? So anyway, mom is telling telling him, you know, you gotta protect the kids. He says, I'll go find them. And then she starts to reflect back on the day that their other son died. And she says, you know, I should have been carrying him. My, my hands were empty. I should have been carrying him. He wouldn't have been able to do that. And dad's like, don't do that to yourself. Um, you know, don't think that way. You know? But, you know, they, it just seems like they all blame themselves, like, individually, right? The mom blames her for not, herself for not carrying him. Um, well, there's plenty of blame to go around. Yeah, the dad probably blames himself, you know, as a caretaker, the little girl blames herself for giving him the toy. I think the only one that doesn't have any guilt yeah, is the, the, is other, the boy. other boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so anyway, 
any while. I think I just invented a word. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, back out in the corn, brother and sister have finally reunited as we saw when the fireworks went off, the girl finally was like, oh, I guess I should go back home now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the boy tells, tells his sister, hey, don't worry. I'm sure dad will come find her. And we see the little girl just shake her head no. Like she has no faith in, in their father. Yeah, I don't really get it. Um, but, you know, defiant preteen, I guess. Um, the boy's adamant. We got to stay here. We, yeah. They lit like some kind of beacon or, or some kind of fire yeah. that, that could indicate where they are because it's, it's pretty dark out. And, so, yeah, she's like, no way. I'm going to take care of myself now. But we do, in fact, see that dad is on his way. He leaves the hiding place. And then we mom has fallen asleep. She wakes back up and the room has flooded. There was a busted pipe. The whole hiding place is now covered in water. The baby box has drifted away and she's got a monster for company. Yeah. Like what else could be going wrong for her right now? She's her, her little safe haven is flooded. Um, baby's baby's little, I don't know what you call that box is floating away. And yeah, yeah we've got a monster there just like sniffing around and, listening for her yeah. to make a peep so somehow she manages to get in the water make her way over to the baby take him out without attracting the monster which might be the biggest accomplishment anybody pulls off in this whole movie yeah exactly um i mean just super tense scene here so now we cut back to the kids who are now on top of a grain silo they have set like a fire on on the top of it so they can try to get their dad's uh, attention but they run out of lighter fluid. The fire burns out. And then the boy falls into the silo. The door breaks off behind him. This attracts the monster. And the girl, seeing her brother in trouble, jumps in after him. I mean, so you know when we were kids and um, like we thought that we were going to encounter quicksand a lot because yes. like all the cartoons had quicksand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is like quicksand. This very much seemed like quicksand. The boy was like fighting, trying to not drown in the grain. And then the girl, when she jumps in, she's fighting to not drown in the grain. Eventually though, almost luckily for them, the door did fall in because they're both able to use it uh, to get on top of, which has like a life, life raft almost. It's like our second callback to Titanic because <laughs> the door saves them and there was room for both of them. <laughs> there was room for both of them. Kate Winslet, you should have moved over. So here comes the monster. He jumps into the grain uh, after them. And then we see the girl's uh, hearing aid, her, her implant or whatever, starts to give this massive feedback. And we see it's like causing the monster to like twitch and freak out. So he bolts. It's like a Looney Tune. He... <laughs> like he leaves yeah. the shape of himself <laughs> behind him as he uh, jumped through the metal. And lucky for them, he did because they wouldn't have been able to get out of that silo if he hadn't have uh, knocked the yeah. door. But you know what they say, Trent? When a monster closes a door, he opens the window, right? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I like I put that in my notes as bad joke, but I I decided oh to go God. for it. So. At least he laughed. <laughs> so meanwhile, so the kids are now able to make their way out of the silo. And sure enough, they reunite with dad. It's all happy for about two seconds until they hear <laughs> there's a monster. 
Of course, more monsters. Um, Mom is watching this on the CCTVs, right? Yes. So the kids take off for this like old pickup truck. Meanwhile, dad grabs an axe to try to fight off the monster. We see he's like next to an old house. The monster jumps off the roof. Dad tries to take a swing at him, but we see the dad gets cut in the stomach. Yeah, and we see the the sure i mean we've already seen the power of of the monster but i mean it just takes a swipe out of him and knocks him several oh feet. yeah he, he flies i mean just yeah so these guys have like you know superhuman strength yeah um, so yeah instinctively though seeing his dad attacked the boy yells out no and now the monster is on to the kids the monster takes off for the truck and we see the girl looking out the back windshield and her dad signs to her, you know, I love you. I've always loved you. And then with his dying act, he yells for the monster. The monster abandons the kid. He takes off, ring that bell. He gets the dad. That's number four. Oh, body cut number four. I mean, another sad death. It's just sad. <laughs> yeah. Cause that was a really touching moment. Like you said, and you alluded to that earlier. Um, with the boy t- telling telling his dad that you should tell her yeah. um, that you love her. Um, so yeah, that was that moment. He signs, I love you. I have always loved you. And um, yeah, sacrifices himself um, yeah. to save them, however temporarily that could be. Yeah, so while the monster is killing him, the kids are able to drive away. Yeah, the kid, uh, the boy like just takes off the e-brake and it just kind of just slides down the yeah. hill now, yeah. So they make their way back home. They're greeted at the front door by mom. But wouldn't you know it? Here comes the monster. More monsters. I mean, you know, you wanted a monster movie. You got a monster movie. <laughs> um, there's plenty of monsters. Let's just say that. And there's just no letting up. Like I said, these uh, these monsters have to be master hunters. They've got this. Uh, they've got their prey cornered. Um, it's just not getting any better. Yeah. So they make their way downstairs where again, the baby has been left completely alone and yet is not crying, just calmly lays in the laundry basket all by itself. (laughs) This is the Uh. most docile kid in history. It's like a couple (laughs) hours old and hasn't made a sound. (laughs) But uh, the little boy gets to meet his, his brother. He holds him. And the daughter, meanwhile, is looking at all the security stuff and sees all the different hearing aids that her dad has has you know tried to get to work so that she can hear again. Yeah, and it's um you know it starts to hit her that you know her perspective on her dad maybe thinking that he was cold to her or somehow blamed her for what happened. Um, that's not necessarily the case. So she yeah, kind of starts was, to to tear up and yeah. It was all imaginary. It was all just in her head. Right. But this touching moment doesn't last long because the monster makes its way downstairs and we see like the, the, the CCTVs, like they start buzzing. The radios are going nuts. The monster is like buzzing. The hearing aids going nuts again. And the daughter takes a quick look at the, uh, at the whiteboard where dad had written, what is their weakness? She's figured it out. It's their hypersensitive hearing. So she uses this to her advantage. She like cranks her hearing aid, causes this massive feedback. The monster is like writhing in agony. So then she takes the hearing aid off and jams it directly into the radio, which is now amplifying it. 
and its armored face is now opened up. Mom cocks the shotgun, blows it away. Boom. Is this body count number five? Do we count no, monsters? No, we don't here? count. We, we only count humans. <laughs> okay, so F you, monster. Anyway, you killed Jim <laughs> Halpert. Okay, you killed Jim. And we didn't even get a funny face out of it. Well, but, there's the weakness. Yes. So they have now figured out the weakness, but this shotgun blast has alerted the other two monsters in the area. Hey, this is where they're at. So we see on the CCTV, here come the other two monsters. The daughter turns the radio up to 11. Mom cocks the shotgun one more time. And credits roll. Boom. A quiet place. So, first of all, let's just quickly talk about this, um, this ending here. Um, are you? I know we talked about this before on another film. I forget which one it is. Um, you know, I think it was Get Out, perhaps. Um, you a fan of, of cliffhanger-type endings or endings that, that aren't um, definitive? How do you feel about that? Well, yeah, I, can't remember, I can't remember what movie it was either, but... Um, it might have been Get Out because we don't know how, like, his story ends after, right. you know, he, he kills the family. So, Regardless, I think uh, the point I'll make here is pretty similar to the one I made then, which is a movie has to earn it. Um, if, if you're going to leave an ambiguous ending, you have to have earned that right as a filmmaker. And I think they did here. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I saw this in the theater with Steph and um, I'm going to talk about my experience um, here in a sec, but, but first let me give my initial thoughts. Okay. Absolutely. So, and by the way, when I give my theater experience, you're going to love the story. Okay. Can't wait, man. So right from the beginning, as the film opens, you know, we get that that title card, like you said, of day 83 on screen. 89. Um, 89, right. 89 on screen. And we are thrust right into the middle of this new world, right? Which I am always a fan of, personally, because, um, you know, nothing is explained at that point. We're just kind of in the middle. We have to figure things out as we go. And for me as an audience member, I kind of like, I really like that experience because it makes me more attentive, Um you know, and we find th we figure things out as the movie goes along. So I really, really, really like that. Um, I also want to say this movie, even though it's pretty, you know, it's a monster movie and stuff, it's actually super relatable because I think everybody has a memory. Um, and I'm going to ask you, Trent, if you have a memory when you were a kid playing hide and go seek or something and um, and maybe you still play hide and go seek. I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, you're hiding and you're excited and you're scared and whatever. And it seems like you can't catch your breath or you can't breathe quietly. Do you know that feeling? Oh yeah, absolutely. About? Yeah. So like that just like made, um, especially that scene with, um, with Emily Blunt, where she's just trying so hard. She's going through labor. She's trying so hard to breathe quietly. I mean, I feel like everybody, um, can relate to that. And as an audience member, you're just like, you're almost like breathing for her. You're like, okay, mm -hmm. I can, I can do this. Um, so yeah. Um, anyway, I mentioned it before. Absolutely love this film. Um, I had a blast watching it. Um, theater experience was like nothing I've ever seen before because we went there on opening night. Um, and this movie is so quiet. You can hear every creak oh, yeah. of a, of a seat. You can hear anybody eating popcorn. Oh, yeah, I, remember, about in a second. I remember being pissed off when there was a guy eating eating popcorn in the row before me. He's like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, you can you can hear anybody's like little cough. You know, how people are always coughing. Um, 
So yeah, just a crazy fun. I mean, this movie was meant to be seen in a theater. Yes. 100%. So my theater experience, and you're going to love this, Graham. So the movie came out on April 6th, 2018. I did not get to see it opening week. I saw it the next week. I saw it on April 15th, which was a, I saw it on a Sunday night. Now, the part of the story that you'll love is April 15th, 2018, the Texas Rangers, who we are both fans of, were playing at the Houston Astros. It was the Sunday night game. Bartolo Colon was pitching for the Rangers that night, and he took a perfect game all the way into the eighth inning. So I am (laughs) sitting in the parking lot debating Oh man, I can't miss a perfect game. Do I do I do I go inside and watch the movie or do I stay out for the end of the perfect game? Finally, with two outs in the eighth inning, he gives up a home run and he gets pulled. No perfect game happens, and I'm able to safely go inside and watch the movie. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um I mean, like you said, we're big, we're big Ranger fans. I don't know, I'd be torn too. Like, do I do I tear myself away? Yeah and go see this movie. I mean, you can't not watch a perfect game. They're like, I mean, even though we've had like six no hitters this year, yeah, perfect games are like, none of them are like, perfect. There's been like 12 or 15 or something in the history. So, yeah. So that, that is my, uh, that is my memory of seeing a quiet place in theaters is like, Oh man, I'm going to miss a perfect game for this. But I, I thought you were going to say that, that the theater was empty. No, no, no. Uh, no, this movie was. In fact, I know the theater wasn't empty because this movie made bank. Yeah, this movie made a ton of money. Um, let's just go ahead and talk about that. So, the box office, uh, seventeen to twenty-one million dollar budget, yeah. um, pretty low yeah. in today's standards. Did almost it did three hundred forty point nine million worldwide. Worldwide, huge, so huge. A 17 times return on investment. It's pretty good. And again, that is just at the box office. That's not counting DVDs. That's not counting Blu-rays. That's not counting digital sales, streaming, all of that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, once you total all that up, you're probably talking about five, six hundred million dollar total gross off of this film. So hugely, hugely profitable, which is why we're having a quiet place part two. <laughs> of course. I mean, studios love sequels when they're making money. Um, yeah. If this opened to like a meager 10, $50 million, yeah. um, it, we probably wouldn't get a second one, maybe like a straight to DVD or something, but it made like 50 million the first weekend. Um, I mean, totally like doubled expectations, man. Like the highest expectations were like 20 to 30 like, and that was after it started getting traction. Um, so, yeah, John Krasinski, take a bow, man. Yeah. Now, for the record, we didn't actually talk about this. You like the movie, right? I love the movie. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Uh, I, I would very much be in the same camp. I thought it was, I thought it was great, uh, you know. Um, obviously, I, th- I think we're both big fans of The Office, so I think we were both very interested to yeah. see you know, John Krasinski stepping out as a leading man for really the first time. Um, and if, let's go ahead and have the John Krasinski conversation now while, while we're on it, which is to say yeah, this was his like, he had done some stuff. Uh, he did the movie about Benghazi, the 13 hours. He was one of the soldiers in that. Um, he mm-hmm. did the Jack Ryan series for Amazon. But- yeah. I mean, he had been, um, he played supporting roles in, 
a number of movies. Um, he did a movie with Matt Damon, I think, called Promised Land or something like that. Yeah, while he was um, making The Office, he made uh, the movie with George Clooney, uh, Leatherheads. Leatherheads, yeah, yeah. Leatherheads. Where yeah. they were old-timey football players. He but... was in a movie that wasn't good with Mandy Moore, <laughs> I think called like, um, you know, something about getting married, I don't know. As Well, <laughs> did you need to clarify that it wasn't good when you said with Mandy Moore? <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> so, now, famously... John Krasinski was the runner-up to Chris Evans for the role of Captain America, and it was a very close call. They even did screen test, I believe, with him in the Captain America uniform. Like, it it was like a coin toss. They wind up going with Chris Evans, and so, I mean, it, if he had landed that role, we're talking about a radically different career. Instead, you know, the, the first Avenger movie that came out in 2008, this is 10 years later. He is finally getting his first shot at being a leading man in a movie and in a, in a, a giant hit in a bigger movie. Yeah, um, absolutely. Big hit. Yeah. And it's funny because they, um, uh, you know, I've heard things over the years. They didn't think, you know, John Krasinski was he was lean. He was lanky. He was skinny. Yeah. Um, he bulked up. Since then, so you can actually kind of see it now that he could probably pull that off like physically. Yes. But back then, it was like, how are you going to get, you know, Jim well, going to get all swole? <laughs> and, and I mean, let's historically, there is a a bias against television actors. Studios tend to look at people and say, "Oh, you're a TV actor. You're not a movie star." And yeah, so that's something point. that throughout the years, dozens and hundreds of actors have had to fight against. And he was just the latest. Latest one. I mean, when, when did the office end? Like 2010, 2011, somewhere in there? Maybe, yeah. So 2013, man. Yeah, it was on. Wow, for, and with yeah, that long. Years. But regardless, this is still a full five years after the office ended. And he was like the face of the franchise outside of Michael Scott. And it took him this long to get a role like this. And even when he finally got his chance, he had to direct it himself. Yeah, and I didn't think about it like that. I mean, you're exactly right. Um, because The Office is so... It's it's arguably the most famous TV show there is right now. I mean, everybody knows The Office. Everybody re-watches watches The Office. It's still very much in everybody's mind all yeah, the time. Prior to I mean, because of Netflix, you know? Yeah, prior to Peacock launching last year and then gaining the streaming rights away from Netflix, The Office was the number one most watched show on Netflix for years and years. Yeah, and I attributed to that because I probably rewatched <laughs> that show like 10 times over the years. I've seen every episode multiple I, I'm times. I'm in the middle of a rewatch right now. I'm, I'm in yeah. season five right now. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those, you rewatch it once or twice a year, and yeah, absolutely love it. And he's one of the main reasons. And yeah, you're exactly right. I didn't, I didn't put it together until you, you mentioned that, that um, he's almost, he's famous for being, everybody knows John Skuzuki. He's famous for being Jim, but I don't really, I guess I never really looked at his screen credits and realized yeah. that, yeah, he hasn't really led a film. He had to wait his turn. Like he really had to earn this one. And when he finally got the chance, boy, did it ever pay off. Yeah, and like you said, he had to he had to direct it. He actually uh, uh, wrote it as well, um, or, or wrote well, part of the of. screenplay with yeah. with the the original guys had the original story and screenplay. Um, he did a you know rewrite. I don't know how much he rewrote. I haven't yeah. re read the original script, but um, let's talk about those guys, Brian Woods and Scott Beck. Yeah, what? So yeah, what did you think? They came up with the story. Um, what what did you? I mean, what did you think of it? It was a very, I would say, unique idea. 
Yeah, that's the first word that comes to mind is unique. Um, nothing had been done like this before. I did read a little bloody bit that um, in their original screenplay, there was only like one line of dialogue. Um, so they like very much wanted to keep it, um, yeah, completely silent, um, so to speak. So I thought they did a great job. Really original I mean, story. Was there end up being like maybe five? Like there wasn't a whole lot. Yeah, I think there was like 20 words or 25 lines. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, I mean, um, yeah, they did a great job. You got to get take your hats off to them. It's nice. To, and that was their first, I uh, have their... I had yeah. their their credits pulled up. I mean, that's that's the first big movie they done. Yeah, I mean, movie at, at all, their, really. their credits. Um, not <laughs> not a whole lot of projects you would have heard of outside of this one. Yeah, and they've got some. They're actually directing a movie soon, um, so good for them. So this kind of launched their careers. But um, yeah, great job, guys. Um, what a great first first way to crack your way into Hollywood with just. Um, yeah, just this awesome piece of horror. So a couple of bloody bits real quick. Um, and we're going to be talking about more of the cast and stuff, but just because we were talking about, um, hold on. Oh, because we were talking about Krasinski. So as you can imagine, John Krasinski was reluctant to do a horror film. Um, he felt that it was kind of out of his wheelhouse. You know, we all know him as Jim in the office, right? Um, and I thought that was really interesting because a movie that we recently reviewed, Get Out, Gordon Peele, not known for his horror chops either. So, yep. and he, he made a great film, Get Out, A Quiet Place. Like I said, love this movie. One of my, maybe my favorite movie of that year, 2018. Um, and those two movies, Get Out and A Quiet Place, are probably two of my favorite, my two favorite horror films of the last five years or so. So I just want to say more TV actresses and comedians do horror because <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we, like, we like what you guys have done. Well, while we're talking about John Krasinski and Bloody Bits, I think I have one for you, Graham. Ooh, let's hear it. So, yes, John Krasinski was the leading man. Yes, he was the director. Yes, he contributed to the screenplay. But did you know he also had another duty on this film? Why don't you tell us? He actually provided the motion capture work for the monsters. Whoa. This guy's all over the place. Yeah. When John Krasinski makes a movie, he does everything. <laughs> he does everything. That's how That's how much he knew he had to prove himself for this. He's like, uh, does anybody need any coffee? Anybody need some water? <laughs> two sugars, um, two sugars. <laughs> yeah, he's doing it all back there, man. He's his own PA. Um, he's doing makeup. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good bloody bit. Um, he's a team player, man. He is the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the whole team. Um. So do you have any other bloody bits or do you want to talk about the kids? I have some bloody bits and they kind of uh, intermingle with the cast. So let's just jump into, let's talk about Emily Blunt first. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Emily Blunt, John Krasinski's real life wife. Uh, what a trooper. My God, this yes. lady is put through the ringer. <laughs> yeah. She's the, I mean, she's by far the strongest character in this. I mean, to give birth and, survive monsters and and eventually kill maybe all three monsters um kind of leads us to believe she stepped on a nail and didn't even scream yeah that was wild um 
And there's like yeah, a shot so, of her getting the nail out of her foot, and it's yeah. like it's all the way in there. <laughs> yeah, this was, I was about to say this wasn't like Marv in Home Alone where he barely pricked the top of it. Yeah. That bad boy went all the way through. All the way, all the we way. We actually got a shot later on in the movie when they were coming back downstairs. Um, the the whole nail was red; it was blood soaked. Yeah, I mean it's it's like a two and a half inch nail right there. Um, yeah, and we talked about how John Krasinski. TV actor Emily Blunt, movie star, right? Yeah, Mary Poppins. I mean, Mary Poppins, um, she's been in a, in a ton of films where she's the lead. I mean, a great movie that isn't in the horror genre, but definitely in like the cool sci-fi genre, Edge of Tomorrow. I do. I was going to say, I saw that movie in theaters. And look, I am not a Tom Cruise fan at all. Uh I freaking loved that movie. Great um, movie. They've talked for years about possibly making a sequel. It wasn't uh, necessarily a giant financial hit, so that hasn't come to pass yet. Um, and in fact, they actually, because it wasn't necessarily a huge hit, when they released it on home video, they actually renamed that movie to Live, Die, Repeat. Yeah, um, I didn't catch it in theater Um I am a Tom Cruise fan. I grew up loving Top Gun and I like Mission Impossible and all that movie movies. But um, yeah, this one was under the radar for me. I watched it like on home video and was just like, how did I miss this? This is exactly the kind of movie I like. So she was in that. I mean, she was in um, Sicario. Uh, I'll tell you what she was in that I loved. The Adjustment Bureau with Matt Damon. Another, yeah, very good film. Um I mean, she's just been in a, in a ton of things. I mean, you go through, yeah, um, you know, artsy Cru- films too. She's yeah. got Jungle Cruise coming out this year where she co-stars with The Rock. Yeah, pretty cool. Into the Woods, Girl on the Train. I think she was nominated for stuff with, from that. Um, like you said, Mary Poppins. I mean, she's she's a movie star. And um, yeah, she's got a lot of good screen credits and, and more to come. All right, so moving on to the kids. Let's talk about the boy first, because I have some thoughts on the daughter. How did you think Noah Jupe, I guess that's how you say it, Jupe, J-U-P-E, did as the son? So I'm a fan of his, um, this young actor. Have you seen Honey Boy? Nope. Okay, Honey Boy, good movie. Um, He was also in a movie Oh, he was in Ford versus Ferrari. I saw that. Yeah, Ford versus Ferrari. He was in that. Um, yeah, Noah Jupe, good, good young actor. Um, he was he was good in this. I mean, he was okay. Um, showed showed a, a little bit of range of emotion, but they don't talk a lot, so you know it's. Um, but I thought he did well. Yeah, I mean, really, the the one chance he really got to to, to talk was the was that big conversation he had at the at the pond with his dad, where he you know he told him like, "Hey, you got to tell sister that you love her." Yeah, and he landed that. Yeah, yeah he uh, absolutely nailed it. Yeah, he's a good young actor. Wonder is the other one I saw, um, you know, a little date night movie with the wife, um, Julia Roberts, Owen Wilson. He plays the friend. Anyway, it's not about that. But yeah, he's he's a good little young and up-and-coming actor, and I thought he did a good job. All right, so next up, Millicent Simmons as the daughter. So I get the sense from your tone a little bit you didn't love her character in this, um, but I thought she was a good actress. It's, I just have a simple question. Okay. So the boy asks his dad, do you blame her? Graham, 
do you blame her for what happened? No. He didn't take the batteries. No, but she left them right next to him in the kid's reach. Of course it was her fault. She literally handed it to him. And then <laughs> not only was the boy dying her fault, she was told, stay behind. Watch your mom. What did she do? She pouted and ran away. <laughs> this kid sucks. Everything that happened was her fault. Disagree, Trent. Okay, my thing is, why do you have the youngest little boy in the back of the pack, right? At the beginning. I mean, he was the straggler. I mean, I, I, that, that's, I mean, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me. I don't know. If I'm, if I'm walking with my crew, um, I feel like I'm in the back instead of the front. I don't know. Who knows? But um, well, anyway. And let me actually say this, Graham. Not only did she physically hand it to him the second time, she caught the toy when he knocked it off the shelf and left it the first time when he tried to sneak away with it the first time she left it in his reach. So she didn't <laughs> give it to him once. She let him have it twice. It was her fault. The whole movie, <laughs> this was her fault. She didn't listen. She let her, her brother die. She sucks. <laughs> okay, okay. I hope she dies in part two. <laughs> uh, I doubt that's going to happen, but we will tell you. Maybe. I don't know. We're not going to tell you. But anyway, so a bloody bit about her. Actress Melissa Simmons. She's actually been dead since infancy. Um, since due to a medication overdose. I, I don't know if that's confirmed. This is on her IMDb. Um, so interesting that, um, again, not knowing about the original script, um, if, uh, the child was in fact deaf, but they cast a deaf actress. Um, and interesting to know that during that scene where John Krasinski is signing, I love you. Um, she told John Krasinski, she thought it'd be more meaningful if he said, also said, I will always love you. Um, reportedly bringing him to tears on set. He said in an interview. And so, um, yeah, that got in the movie. So anyway, um, I thought she did a good job. Now, the way that they built her, wrote her character, I don't know, but um, she did good. So you liked it. I liked it. What do you think the critics had to say, Graham? What do you think the tomato meter has to say about A Quiet Place? I know that this was universally liked by critics and audience members, I'm so bad at guessing this, um, but I feel like since this was so unique, the 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 Rotten Tomato score is going to be higher. So I'm going to go with like a 65. With 385 published reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, A Quiet Place is certified fresh at 96%. Jeez, I'm bad guessing, but that's great. <laughs> yeah, they liked it. The audience score with 10,000 ratings. 82%. The critics liked it substantially more than the audience did. Yeah, interesting. Um, I would agree with the critics there. So, Graham, do you have any other bloody bits before we wrap this bad boy up? I do have one more bloody bit, and um, I probably should have mentioned it when we were talking about our theater experience, but that's okay. Um, so, reportedly, if you can imagine, Trent, theaters... Owners did not, they weren't the biggest fans of this movie 
because audience members were reluctant to buy popcorn and eat it during the movie. <laughs> so they were like, we're not getting our popcorn sales because this movie's so freaking quiet that nobody wants to eat popcorn. That's $13 bags of popcorn. We're getting moved. <laughs> they weren't getting moved. They had all this leftover popcorn. That's amazing. Um, one more that I think you'll get a kick out of too. Um, so this this was bought, the script was bought by Paramount and, and released by them. Um, they actually considered making this film as a part of the Cloverfield universe. Whoa. Yeah, wouldn't that be interesting? You know, I have never seen any of the Cloverfield movies. Oh man, Cloverfield's good. Cloverfield's great. Um, that 10, 10 Cloverfield Lane is good as well. I didn't see the Cloverfield Paradox. But it's interesting because that wouldn't have been too um, out of the normal for Paramount. They actually did take those other scripts and rework them to fit into their little Cloverfield universe. Hmm. So um, that 10 Cloverfield Lane that stars John Goodman, um, I, I think you should watch it. It's good. Uh, good film. That was that was originally called like The Basement and it, it didn't have anything to do or I don't know if it did have anything to do. It didn't have anything to do with Cloverfield. Yeah. So anyway. I um, thought that was interesting. This could have been a Cloverfield movie. and yeah, That's fascinating. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, All right. So, you know, last week I saw Spiral and I, I published a, a mini review because I wanted to give my fresh thoughts on the film straight out of the theaters. I'm thinking I'm going to do that again this week. So I'm going to go see A Quiet Place. And probably next Wednesday, I'm going to publish another mini review. And Graham, maybe by chance, you'll get a chance to see this one. I know you know things just didn't work out for you to see Spiral, but maybe you can join me for that one. I will 100% be joining you for this. Oh, that um, is a firm commitment, too. ladies and gentlemen. Yes. You heard it from Graham. He is 100% in. So well, I've already I've already bought tickets to a quiet place too. I'm actually watching it Friday, which is tonight when this with when this episode yes. releases. Um, so I do have an interesting thing. I want to ask you about this. So um, you guys know Stephanie's not into horror movies. She gets very scared. Yes, we all learned out. <laughs> we all found that out very much during the Insidious podcast. I know. I might try to roll tape on, uh, <laughs> in the theater. We'll see. But um, so we're seeing a quiet place. Quietly too. put your arm around her with the, with yeah. the phone in your hand. <laughs> right next to her. Because I know she's going to scream. So we're seeing it at the local theater, um, which is Cinemark. Trent, have you ever heard of D-Box seating? I have sat in D-Box seating. I saw Avengers Infinity War in D-Box. Okay, so if you don't know about D-Box, these seats move and rumble along with the movie. You can control the intensity of it. We are seeing it in D-Box. Wow, And Stephanie is so mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw in Avengers Infinity War in 3D and D-Box. Uh, That's a lot of uh, on the senses there. Yeah, there was you a like lot it? going on. Um, I, I I had the D box on high to start. I, I had to turn it down to medium because uh, there's just too much going on at that point. And that was yeah. a three hour film also. So <laughs> that was sensory overload. So this would be our first time to see anything in D box. I thought this would be perfect for it. You know what I mean? Because I feel like we're going to hear the rumbles. Um, so yeah, I will have a full report on how the D box is with the Quiet Place Two coming up. All right, so now the only thing left to do is pick our next review. So this Friday, you know, obviously today, A Quiet Place Part 2 comes out. But next Friday, another massive horror franchise has its latest sequel coming out. 
as The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It is being released on June 4th. So with that in mind, Graham, I have three options for you for our next review. Is one of them The Conjuring? (laughs) First off, The Conjuring, the original film in the franchise. Okay, so you're going to be mad because this is like your one of your favorite franchises. This in Hereditary last... would be that the of all the horror movies from the 2010s, I would say The Conjuring and Hereditary are number one and number two for me. Okay, I haven't seen it, so I'm like, I'm ready to watch it. All right, so behind door number two, the spinoff franchise Annabelle, the first Annabelle film. Okay, and behind door number three. The other spinoff film, The Nun, which chronologically would be the first film in the series. Yeah, so I've heard about this uh, Conjuring universe, and I haven't gotten to jump into it. Um, so I want to start from, I don't want, I kind of just want to start from The Conjuring. And even and then I'll go back and watch The Nun. I'll, I'll try to watch them in the order when they release were released. Order. How about that? Yes. Yeah, release order instead of chronological. Well, that is a great decision because that's what I was hoping for. So (laughs) The Conjuring will be our next review. And who knows? Maybe I'll do a bonus podcast for The Conjuring the Devil made me do it as well. We'll just keep the gravy train rolling. And then I know next month we have the latest Purge film coming out. So maybe look for one there also. We're just going to we're going to keep cranking out new content for you guys. You know, we're over 500 strong on Instagram. We want to see that number keep rising. And, you know, we're we're just having a good time doing this. So, uh, Graham, why don't you tell them about our Instagram, actually? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like Trent said, we've we're um, yeah we're going fast. We've got over five hundred so far. Thanks for interacting with us. Thanks for liking the page. You can follow us at Body Count Show on Instagram. Um, we like to post uh, movie stills, movie posters, um, and yeah, we'll hope to interact with you a lot more in the future. But that's where you can follow us on Instagram at Body Count Show. So that's all I've got, Graham. Any closing thoughts? That's all I've got. Um, yeah, thanks, guys, for listening to Body Count. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode where we reviewed A Quiet Place. And get ready for our bonus episode as we do a quick recap of A Quiet Place 2 that opens tonight, guys. So we'll see you next time on Body Count.